Hey there, welcome to the Dressage with Amelia podcast, where it's all about breaking things down and helping you learn to love your ride. I'm your host, Amelia Newcomb. These sessions are recordings from my Facebook Live, where I answer as many questions as I can from my audience. I hope you enjoy this episode where I answer your questions about dressage. Please help me out and share this with a friend who also rides horses. Hello everyone, happy Sunday. I wanted to come on here quick because obviously I missed Facebook Live on Thursday night. I was down training with Yo Henneman with my two horses. So I missed our normal Thursday Facebook Live session. And instead I thought I would come on here on Sunday morning. It is very, very windy outside. So normally Sunday mornings, I go to the barn and I love to ride, but I decided I would ride my horses yesterday instead of today because it's super windy. Hi, Stacy. I was just telling everyone how it's very windy in my area. I think you're a little farther north, but here in California, we get in the spring and the fall Santa Ana winds and it just gets like crazy, crazy windy. So a couple of things I wanted to talk about today. I have a few questions to answer from viewers. I also wanted to talk about some of the clinics that I've done the past two weekends. So I did a clinic in Colorado. And then last weekend, I did a through the levels symposium in Salt Lake City. It's a lot of fun to travel and to do clinics, to work with new horses and new riders. And I really enjoy the challenge of that. It always takes a little bit of time to figure out what works for the rider and for the horse, and also to figure out what kind of a mindset they are in and if they need a little more encouragement and confidence building versus if they're just ready to get to work. But one thing that was so cool from the clinic last weekend in Salt Lake City is we did a demo on half halts. And half halts are something that I feel like a lot of riders are super confused about. It's a complicated topic. They're, they don't understand what the aids are, what the timing is, when you need to ride a half halt. And so the clinic organizer organized to have a four-year-old, a seven-year-old, and a Grand Prix horse together in the arena. And then we demonstrated half halts. And it was so cool to see the progression with the four-year-old, how the four-year-old, the half halts weren't as effective. A lot of times the four-year-old in the canter trot transitions like fell on the forehand versus the Grand Prix horse. And with the Grand Prix horse, the half halts really came through effectively. The horse was able to stay uphill balanced and engaged in the transitions. And that was really cool because half halts do two things. They get your horse's attention and they rebalance your horse. And so, of course, they evolve. With a young horse, the half halt is very different than the half halt for a Grand Prix horse. So it was really cool to see the difference and the evolution of the half halts up the levels. 
I did get video footage of the entire symposium and we're working on kind of splicing it up and putting it together so that if you weren't able to come to the clinic live, you can still enjoy some of the footage from the symposium, which is really, really cool. The other thing with this half halt demo that we did is I had the riders demonstrate incorrect half halts. So like just pulling on the reins or leaning forward or half halting at the wrong time. And it was really cool to see the difference in the horses when they rode a correct half halt versus an incorrect half halt. So that was definitely one of the highlights of the clinic in Salt Lake City last weekend. The other thing that was really fun about that clinic was we went from training level up to FEI and we had two horses in a lot of the sessions. There were two horses and it was really fun to do the same exercises with two different horses and you could see how you had to adapt the exercise to fit the horse's needs. For example, in first level, I had a hot off the track thoroughbred, and then I had another half Arabian mare um, who was like a lot more chill. And so we were doing leg yields and 10 meter circles, and it was just really fascinating to see how we had to kind of adapt the exercise to fit the horse's needs. So we were still doing leg yields, we were still doing 10 meter circles, but the approach was different on the tense and nervous horse versus the horse that was more chilled and relaxed. So that was one thing that came out really cool in the clinic as well is, okay, here's the exercise, but then how do you adapt it to fit on your, your horse's needs? Um, let's see, if you're here live, let us know how the weather is in your neck of the woods. It's definitely feeling like fall. I can't believe it's already going to be November in a few days. But anyways, the days are getting shorter and um, we're just enjoying, enjoying what nice weather we have left. Okay, the last thing I want to say about the Through the Levels symposium I did is fourth level, it was really cool because we had a professional rider on her beautiful Dutch warm blood. And we also had an amateur on her lovely quarter horse. So we had like two very different horses for fourth level. And it was so fun to see these two different horses doing the fourth level movement. So doing the flying changes, doing the pirouettes, doing the half passes, and I was talking to the owner of the quarter horse and she said, you know, yeah, he doesn't have the fanciest gates. He's not the crazy mover, but she was like, I feel safe on him and I can do anything with him. And I think that's something that's really important to remember is you're better off to buy a horse that you can ride, that you can feel safe on, that you feel confident with rather than going and buying like this huge, crazy, fancy moving warm blood. And, and we all get lured into the beauty and these huge gates. But the truth of the matter is if you can't ride them and if you don't feel confident riding them, then what's the point? So this little quarter horse who did the fourth level, he was such a cool horse. He was so eager and like he loved doing the flying changes. He loved doing the tempi changes. 
And the best part was that his owner felt confident on him and she felt safe and she was able to do what I asked her to do. So I think that's something that's really important to balance if you're looking for a new horse or if you're looking for a horse to lease is just really find something that will build up your confidence and develop your skills. That's more important than having something that has like the crazy big gates. So let's see. It's raining in Ireland. Hi, Debbie. Um, let's see. It's a wet spring in South Africa. Hi, Irene. Um, rainy in New York. Okay. Um, Yolanda says she's in Lakeview Terrace. It's super windy here. I'm in Camarillo and it is definitely very windy outside, which is why I'm hiding in here. All right. I saw a few questions come up. So let's see. Audrey says, what's a tip for bending? My tip for bending is to do it from the ground first. So if you have a horse that you're really struggling with getting them to bend, I pretty much always do it from the ground. Um, next question is from Poppy. How do you improve your seat? Uh, good question. How do you improve your seat? Riding a lot. The more you ride, the better your seat becomes. Riding without stirrups. Um, it's going to be November soon. And guess what? November means no stirrups November. So I actually have a video coming out November 1st to help you ride without stirrups because that is a really good way to get your seat deeper and more connected into the saddle. Um, that would be my biggest recommendation. And then just practice, you know, the more you ride, the better you get. Practice your sitting trot quality over quantity and then work out. The more that you work out and exercise and strengthen your core, the better your sitting trot is going to be. So those are my tips for sitting trot. And let me see if there's any other questions. Oh, Irina. I go to competitive riding school and I always seem to compare myself to other riders that have fancy horses. Do you have any tips to feel more secure with my riding? Okay, that's a good question, Irina. I think it is definitely a hard sport because a lot of times the person with the fanciest horse wins. <laughs> Unfortunately, that's just kind of how it is. Um, but it's always important to remember, I always think of it as a competition with yourself, that you are feeling improvement with your horse, that you're doing your personal best. That's always more important than comparing yourself to other riders that have fancier horses. Um, the other thing that's important to remember is that sometimes the more difficult horses that you don't necessarily win with or that you don't look good riding, those are the horses that actually make you better. Um, and so I think that's important to remember. When I was a kid, I worked, well, I guess when I was like 18, I worked for Buck Branham and sister-in-law, Mindy Bauer. And we did just tons of problem horses and young horses. I rode like 18 horses a day and they were not fancy. There was, you know, nothing crazy about those horses, but I learned a lot. And so just the experience of getting to ride is huge. And even if it's not on the fanciest horse, you're developing your skills, you're learning, 
And I think that's something that we forget sometimes is just how lucky we are to get to ride these amazing creatures. So keep that in mind and I hope that helps you. Um, all right, what else is on my list? Oh, next on my list is groundwork. So one of the biggest takeaways from 30 Days to Round students was groundwork. And I cannot tell you how many people that did the 30 Days to Round challenge posted in the Facebook group that the biggest thing that helped them improve was groundwork. Groundwork is a skill that is underutilized, I think, and not taught enough. Many trainers don't teach their students groundwork. Many riders think that groundwork is just something that you do if you are lazy or afraid to ride. But really, you can teach your horse like pretty much everything from the ground. And it's a really important skill to keep you safe and educate your horses. So that's kind of my theme for this month is groundwork. I'm going to be doing a groundwork webinar on November 12th, Sunday, November 12th. So mark your calendars, make sure to come to that groundwork webinar. It's really going to be about establishing trust and communication with your horse from the ground and looking into how horses think how horses perceive the world, and then how we can interact with them in a way that makes sense. And I think that that is something that's extremely important and often overlooked is looking at the world from your horse's perspective and then figuring out how to communicate with them in a way that they can understand. So I'm really looking forward to that Groundwork webinar, and I hope that you will be able to attend live. And then finally, the reason I'm doing this Facebook Live on Sunday and not on Thursday is that I was down riding with Johanneman. I took Harvey and Luigi. We have a show coming up next month. Um, there's going to be a CDI in Thermal, which I'm really looking forward to. But just reflecting on riding with Yo, I've learned so much from him. And He's taught me so much about collection and engagement and training these horses. And it's super important to have teachers in your life because that's what makes you better. If you're not getting education and you're not getting help, then you're stuck and you start getting frustrated. And so as inconvenient as it is, I usually drive three hours down to Temecula I stayed in my horse trailer, which I love, but it's inconvenient, it's expensive, and yet it's so important to seek out that education and to get the help that you need to move up the levels and to improve as a rider. Yo is a person who's trained many, many Grand Prix horses. He's trained many riders to the Olympic level, and so I feel very lucky to get to ride with him and to have his help and his expertise. So let's see, um, Carolyn, any tips for working with a gated horse? It seems like they are naturally slightly above the bit. Um, oh, good. So you've been doing the 30 days to round exercises. That's awesome, Caroline. I think I would keep doing the groundwork exercises, keep doing the pull release. And... Yeah, a lot of 
horses, their conformation affects how they go. So if, if they have a neck that's more high set, that comes more straight up out of their withers, then those horses are going to be a little bit more difficult to really get them to drop their neck and to make them a little bit lower and rounder. And it's just always working with your horse, working with their conformation, and then adjusting to fit the situation. So with, with horses that tend to have their head too high, then you always are working on making them a little bit lower and a little bit rounder. Um, oh, hi, Cindy. I'm glad you liked the clinic last weekend. That was super fun. I talked about it a little bit at the beginning. Okay, I have a few more questions. So first question is from Trish, how do you train a horse not to put his head in your space? Okay, this is a great question. It's super basic, but I see it all the time. I have a video coming out soon about this, but whenever I'm working with my horse, I always imagine like a little two to three foot space bubble around me. And it's really important that your horse stays out of your space because as much as we love our horses, they're big and they can hurt us. So it's always important to have this in mind and then be very consistent about whenever your horse comes into your space, ask them to move away. So there's a difference between if I go towards my horse and I want to like pet my horse or love on my horse, which of course is okay, versus if your horse is coming into your space, shoving you with their head, trying to knock you down, stepping on top of you, all those things are just dangerous. So what I do is if my horse comes into my space, I'll ask them to back away. Um, you can do that by raising your hands, shaking the lead rope at them. Sometimes I'll also just kind of let them run into my elbow. So like if they're coming towards me, I'll just stick my elbow and then they hit my elbow and it puts a boundary where they think, oh, I, I shouldn't come into her space. That's her space bubble. So that's an option as well. But be particular and make sure that your horse stays at least two to three feet away from you because that's going to avoid an accident. If something scares your horse, it's really important that they go around you and not on top of you. I see it all the time where people get stepped on or trampled and they're like, oh, it just happened out of the blue. Like, I don't understand why that happened. But there's a lot of little signals leading up to that. There's a lot of times where you've allowed your horse to come towards you and stepped away. And so you're kind of teaching that. You're teaching your horse that they can come into your space. So all these little things I'm going to um, be teaching in my groundwork webinar. Here's another groundwork question. I'm so glad many of you are asking about groundwork. I'd love to see more groundwork videos. What are the next steps after the suppling and moving the haunches? How can I progress to more lateral work? Yeah, so after you get your horse bending, moving the hindquarters, then the next step is to put the bridle on, do the groundwork with the bridle, and um, start introducing the outside rein. I always recommend when you're doing groundwork and you're starting to introduce the lateral work, same thing as when you are riding forward first. You always have to have that forward momentum, keeping your horse going. That is the most important thing. So if your horse starts to get stuck or stopping, then 
ease up on the contact or the lateral aid and send them forward. So anyways, um, I hope that this little Facebook Live has inspired you on a Sunday. I hope you're able to get out to the barn, spend a little bit of time with your horses. I am not going to be doing Facebook Live on this Thursday because we are going to be in Hawaii. I don't think I've ever taken a vacation in my entire life. So I'm looking forward to that. But don't worry, I will be back the following Thursday. And um, I hope to see you all in the Groundwork webinar. Oh, here's a question from Nicole. I will answer your question, Nicole. When they buck on the lunge line, do you prefer to send them forward out of it or should you um, shut them down by disengaging the hindquarters? Okay, that's a good question, Nicole. So it depends on the horse. I think most of the time, if horses start like really bucking on the lunge line, I will tend to shut them down and disengage the hind end. But that said, after you disengage the hind end, you have to get them going forward again because sometimes they buck because they're tight and they like don't go forward. So usually what I do is I shut them down. I say, hey, you know, stop bucking because a lot of times they'll just buck and buck and buck and buck and it becomes a habit, which you don't want. So a lot of times I'll shut them down, I'll bend them, push them sideways, and then like yielding them sideways, get them going forward again and see if I can get them to free up and go to trot and canter without bucking. But if they just start getting like in a bucking fit, then for sure bend, disengage the hind end. Because with a lot of horses, sometimes like they need to buck a few times, but then sometimes it becomes their muscles get so tight and then it just gets tighter and more bucking and tighter and more bucking. So sometimes you definitely do have to um, intervene. Okay, Suzanne, can you talk about getting your horse to stand after mounting while I attach my airbag vest? Yes, so I think the biggest thing is just you have to do it every day. And I get in a bad habit of just like getting on and letting my horses walk forward. So definitely make them stand there, make them wait for a few minutes um, or not a few minutes, but a few seconds before walking them on and just be super consistent about it. That is, that's the best advice I have. So, alrighty, everyone. Um, oh, Stacy, how early can I introduce groundwork with my diesel baby? He's 20 months. How exciting. So I think with young horses, less is more, the more that they can just like be in a pasture, grow up with other horses um, but definitely you want to get them where they're leading, where they're handling well, where, you know, you can turn them a little bit, all that kind of stuff. So you can start doing some little stuff, but I wouldn't start like training, training them until they're like three and ready to get started. So anyways, alrighty, everyone have a wonderful Sunday and good to see you here. Bye. So that's it for this week. Thank you so much for all of your awesome questions. And I hope you learned something new from listening. If you're new to the podcast and you'd like a question answered on a future one, get on touch on Facebook through Amelia's Dressage Club, Instagram at Amelia Newcomb Dressage, 
or YouTube at Amelia Newcomb Dressage and mark the question for the live sessions. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. If you like it, please share it, review it, and tune in again next week. Thanks so much and happy riding.